Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today, I am super excited. I found this case on accident oh, in one of my one of my many true crime books. I am so pumped, you guys. I had never heard of this case before. And I know it's like horrible to say you're pumped about a case, but it's like this case took place in the 1800s. Oh. So it's going to be interesting for sure. We're going to be talking about, as you can see from the title, The Bloody Benders. This is America's first serial killer family in history. What? Family? Yes. Family. What? They are all serial killers. Yes. Okay. Strap it in for this one. Yes. So our case is going to take place in Cherry Vale, Kansas. So, in 1870, there was five families. They were all considered spiritualists, apparently, and they settled in western Labette County, about seven miles northeast of Cherry Vale. And one of these families is our bloody Benders. So, this family was made up of John Bender Sr., his wife Elvira, <gasps> their son, mm-hmm, their son John Jr., and daughter Kate. And when they were choosing a place to settle, John purchased a 160-acre section on the western slopes of the mounds that continue to bear their name today. And this property was right next to the Osage Mission Independence Trail. And basically, this was from Independence over to Fort Scott. So it was very heavily traveled. Are you a witch or wanting to learn more about witchcraft? Perhaps places like the internet have left you feeling overwhelmed and oversaturated with information they don't really know where to start. Or what if your doing is right? Grab a coffee and sit down with Robin and Maria from Coffee and Cauldrons podcast. Coffee and Cauldrons is a weekly podcast where they discuss all things witchy with you. Their bi-monthly main episodes discusses upcoming lunar phases and how we can utilize those in our practices, as well as a tarot card of the day. They explore different topics to help you expand your magical practice from an inclusive and realistic approach. They have a thriving community both through the podcast as well as online to help you build your practice. In between, 
between their educational episodes, they host what they like to call a coffee talk episode. These are bi-monthly episodes that explore witchy pop culture, tips, ghost stories, and all things magical as a sit-down chat that includes the community. They hope you'll join them on this magical journey. So grab a cup of coffee, have a sit-down, and let's start making magic. Now, the Bender family is honestly really mysterious on who they actually were. A lot of the info we have to go off of on them is theories and rumors. So, you know, it is what it is. So Elvira, a.k.a. Ma, was essentially thought to be a black widow who had many husbands and all of them ended up murdered. What? I mean, it makes sense. Yes. They're a serial killing family. BT dubs. Mm -hmm. This town is 22 miles from the town my mom grew up in. That's fun. That's fun. That's another reason I knew you'd appreciate because I was from Kansas. (laughs) And then there was other talks that Kate and John Jr. weren't siblings at all, but they were husband and wife. And people, yeah, and people in the town didn't like them at all, which, of course, made them outcasts in town. Now, Pa, he was said to be about, when all this happened, about 60 years old. And his backstory, essentially, is that he, they believe he was born in the Netherlands, grew up in Germany, and then came to the U.S., But he was not very likable. The townspeople described him as, quote, a hideous brute, ill-tempered, and repulsive. What great adjectives (laughs) to describe someone as repulsive. Yeah, and he he didn't really talk to people much. He was described as mostly grunting. He didn't speak English, so that could also be, like, another thing, too, why he wasn't very talkative. His son would be the one who would translate for him a lot. And more about our girl Elvira, she was described as a midnight hag with murderous ambition, Shh. thanks to those murders I m- or rumors I mentioned earlier about the Black Stop Widow Stop it. Thing. A midnight I hag? Swear. I don't even know what that really means, but okay. I don't either. <laughs> That's a lot to say someone is. Yeah. And she did speak some English, so she could communicate with the townspeople a little more. But she was about 50 years old, so she was a little bit younger than Hubby Man. Now, John Jr. was believed to be in his mid-20s. He, like I said, was fluent in English, but he did have a German accent. But people thought he was kind of weird and stupid. They literally called him a halfwit because he would be seen around town just kind of acting off, and he would start, like, laughing or talking, and there was nobody with him type of thing. Can I just say that, like... As of right I mean, now, this is the 1800s, so I'm like not shocked, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying, as of right now, like the way that these townsfolk have treated this, do we blame them for becoming serial killers? Mm. I mean, no, I'm not condoning that at all. But like, <laughs> these have not been nice adjectives. No, and then we have Kate. So Kate was believed to be in her early 20s. She had red hair. She was fluent in English, and essentially, on one hand. Men would mention she was very beautiful. She was very alluring. She was good with people. But on the other hand, on the flip side, she was also deemed very, like, weird, quote, quote, because I mentioned this family being spiritualists, Mm -hmm. right? Well, they were very vocal about stuff. And according to them, Ma and Kate were clairvoyant and had psychic abilities, and they were also healers. So these are like the real life monsters is what you're telling me. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much what's happening so 
She even went as far as passing out handbills. One of them said, Professor Miss Katie Bender can heal all sorts of diseases, can cure blindness, fits, deafness, and all such diseases. Also deafness and dumbness. Apparently she did not do it in her own family. (laughs) Residents 14 miles east of Independence on the road from Independence to Osage Mission, one and one and a half miles southeast of Nora Head Station. So, you know, she was advertising. I like that she's a professor. Right, me too. You do your thing. But of course, you know, most people didn't view that, like, in a good way. And on top of offering her healing services, Kate also gave lectures regularly that definitely raised some eyebrows. She spoke about how, quote, murder may not be a bad thing and might actually be a brave and noble act. Yeah, that should have been everyone's first clue. Red fucking flag, yeah. And she was ahead of her time very much. She was an advocate for free love. In her lecture, she talked about how, quote, staying with one partner alone was just the miserable requirements of self-constituted society. And shall we confine ourselves to a single love and deny our natures their proper sway, even though it be a brother's passion for his own sister, I say it should not be smothered, end quote. Oh, so they were siblings. Right? I was like, I was all about doing whatever the fuck you want until you brought in incest. Now I'm like, gross. Yeah, Please you're, no. you're not allowed to do incest, people. This is not Game of Thrones. Please go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so back to their 160-acre property. So the Benders, they built a barn, a cabin with two rooms, and a corral. Now, with the cabin, they decided to make it an inn because, like I said, they were on that main, you know, that Mm -hmm. main trail. And basically, they had the main room slash area that was essentially like a micro general store where they could buy limited dry goods, tobacco, candy, ammunition, and they cooked and served homemade meals. And in their bedroom, they had it split with this really disgusting, like, stained and gross wagon cover, the canvas thing. Mm. And this split the bedroom. So basically, it was, like, one side for them, for for the family, and the other side for guests and whatnot. So. No. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's like checking into the Airbnb from hell. (laughs) Yes, pretty much. So, like I said, though, because it was next to the trail, smart business move, though, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Because they they had travelers all the time. And also on the property was orchards. They were said to always be freshly plowed, and they also had some farm animals as well, obviously, since they had the corral. Now, like I said, John Sr. wasn't seen as an intelligent person, so people just chalked it up to basically him being dumb to waste the energy every day on plowing the land. So they're like, whatever, you do, you do. So it took about two years to get all of that built. And some sources said that the guys went first. And then once it was done, the women came. So like enter 1872. And this is when the inn opened and became very, very busy. So Kate was essentially the bait. She was the one who would talk to people, who would encourage travelers to stay for dinner, to buy things, to, you know, take a load off and stay the night. And right away, weird things happened. So 
there was a man who went by the name Happy Jack, and he obviously talked to Kate, and he stayed for dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And where he ended up getting sat was like his back was to the wagon cover. And he said later that he heard a high-pitched cough out of nowhere. He didn't know who had done it. It wasn't Kate. And then he kind of felt some like movement behind him. But he didn't really think anything of it because some more people came into the inn and nothing else really happened. And he stayed the night. You know, he stayed, went on his way, whatever. And then he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to stay the same place on my way back home. So on his trip back, he stopped there and he said, you know, Kate was her bubbly, friendly, flirty, you know, everything like how she always was. Super attention to him. Right. Mm hmm. But again, more people came to the inn. And wouldn't you know, they were actually on their way to where Happy Jack lived. So he's like, "Ooh, cool. They were leaving that same night. So he told them, hey, would you give a message to my parents and say, I will be home soon. I'm going to stay here at the Bender Inn, but I will be leaving the following morning. And he said that at this moment, it was like a light switch. And Kate, her attitude completely changed. And she pretty much ignored him the rest of the day or the rest of the evening. And he was like, okay, that's weird. So he just went to bed, right? Well, all was great and well until he jolted awake in the middle of the night after he heard a blood-curdling scream and heard someone hitting something violently. He, obviously, he woke up because it startled him. And he looked around and he saw Kate standing over his bed just staring at him. Hmm. So he was creeped out. He stayed awake the rest of the night, but he pretended to be asleep. So that way, like... You know, he's like, I didn't want to cause any trouble. I just wanted to get through the night and get the fuck out of there. Makes sense. Yes. And he's not the only one who heard weird stuff. There was another guy. His name was Corlew. And he said he heard the sound of someone moaning in pain. And he also heard weird rustling noises coming from the cellar. And he brought this up to Kate. And she was basically like, don't worry. It was just a wild hog that got in there. It's taken care of. I mean, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. And they would end up losing some customers as well to stay overnight because apparently John Jr. liked to sharpen creepy big knives. Just cash. That's not that's not appropriate, John Jr. No, not at all. So people are like, "Mm, fuck the shit. Goodbye. (laughs) So I'm sure you guys can kind of figure out what their MO was. So basically, yes, Kate was the bait. And once she got the traveler seated at the chair, the one that Happy Jack sat at with the back to the wagon cover that's when things got started so behind the cover thing would be the two men of the family sitting there standing there whatever waiting to attack and ma was the lookout and her signal was if she saw other people coming that she did a high-pitched cough just like he also heard interesting Yes. And if nobody was coming, nobody was around, she would just stay silent. And once they realized they were in the clear and then the traveler kind of like leaned back because, you know, obviously Kate's like talking and leaning forward and stuff. So like, you know, people lean back or they laugh or they get close enough to this cover. Wham. One of the dudes would fucking bash them in the head with a hammer. And that's not enough because after they got hit in the head, Kate would carry these knives. I'm assuming the ones that John Jr. sharpened Mm -hmm. and she'd slit their throats. Oh, so she's not innocent in this. No, 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 no. Not at all. She's actually considered like the worst out of everything because not only she 
baiting people in. She's slashing their throats. True. So basically, the pig that that other traveler heard was definitely a human being murdered. Because after all of this, they would take the bodies down to the cellar. And that would either be because the victim wasn't dead yet, so Mm -hmm. they'd leave them down there to die, or just to transport them. Because what they would do afterwards, I'm sure you can guess. So they would wait till it was super, super late, and they knew they were in the clear, and then they would bury the bodies in the orchard. And the next morning, that's when Pa would go out and plow, and he did that because it didn't draw attention to there being fucking freshly dug graves. Ah, so he's not just dumb. Like, he's not dumb. He's strategic. Yes. So usually with our targets, they would choose solo travelers who appeared to be rich or had a lot of valuables on them because obviously when they kill these people, they would take their money and their, you know, jewelry, whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of these people had cash, obviously. So they would take all the cash. They'd pile it up. Now, they did make a mistake, though, because a lot of times with these travelers, if someone just up and disappeared back in the 1800s, especially if they're like, oh, I'm I'm going to move. I'm going to go settle down somewhere new and put roots like people would just assume, oh, they're living their life. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a man named G.W. Longcore, and I read the book. How I came across the story was in the book Lady Killers. And according to that author, G.W. was a neighbor of the real Charles Ingalls from like Little House on the Prairie. Oh, Yes. And he was traveling on this trail because he was taking his daughter to go live with her grandparents. I'm not sure if it was his parents or maybe the mom's parents. Mm -hmm. But basically, he was taking his kid, right? And of course, the inn was on the way. Well, GW was murdered per their MO. And it is believed that either his daughter was buried alive or was strangled then buried underneath with him as well mm. because when they when they found her body there wasn't any of the normal like the stabbings or the blunt force trauma none of that she had this scarf type thing around her neck so they kind of assumed it was either she was strangled to death or she was buried alive and i like i know it's horrible but it's like hopefully she was strangled to death cuz i feel like being buried alive would be worse right cuz you're conscious for a lot longer yes Yes. So, you know, here we go. This is like a hotel of horrors. And it's interesting, too, because with this case, apparently there's quite a few like movies and books that were that came out later, kind of like inspired by this case. So I was like, interesting, because I instantly thought of Bates Motel. (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) so at this point, enter Dr. William York. So Dr. York actually had sold his old wagon to GW for this trip. And word got around that they had went missing and he knew all about the trip. So he's like, that makes no fucking sense. Right. So he decided to go investigate and go on this same trail. And of course, he ended up at Bender Inn and he was said to have a thousand dollars on him. And he had his like he had a brand new wagon that he bought after he sold the other one. So obviously, well, often he's a doctor. Mm -hmm. So the benders are like, bet you're part of like our target that we go with. Right. Well, Dr. York, sadly, was also murdered by the Benders, but unlike the other victims, obviously minus GW and his daughter, he wasn't one people assumed would just venture off and make new life somewhere. He was established. Mm -hmm. He had strong family bonds with his two brothers who were very powerful men. One was a colonel in the military and the other was a Kansas senator. Yeah, you killed the wrong person. 
Yeah. So they had money and they had resources. And obviously they figured out he was missing and they were like, boom, we're going to spring into action right fucking now to find our brother. Mm -hmm. So once they found out what he was doing and where he was at and all of that stuff, they put together massive searches on land. They drug the rivers, the whole nine. They had a team of 50 men going through this trail, following his, you know, his path, trying to see if they can find him. But the way they found out he stayed at the inn was honestly just a happy accident by happenstance. They had stopped at a general store to get cigars or cigarettes or something like that. And so they're talking with the, you know, like I know they didn't call them cashiers back then, but like they talking to the cashier, the shopkeeper, what have you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did see your brother. And he mentioned he was going to go check out Bender Inn. So they're like, awesome. Let's go check out the inn. So the colonel goes to the inn and he talks to Pa and John Jr., who, like I mentioned, he translated for him, right? Mm-hmm. And he had said that Pa told them, like, yes, he had been here. He had dinner, but then he went on his way. If you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. We've got a secret source for incredible original gifts, and that's Uncommon Goods. Uncommongoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking mom, dads, teens, in-laws, besties, your partner, and it's not just stuff you can find anywhere. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at uncommongoods.com. And I definitely have some personal favorites, one being the bubble tea kit that they have under their gifts tab. It is so cute. It comes with the straws, the mixes, all of that good stuff. And it's a fun activity for my daughter and I. So I am really excited to have that be one of the gifts that I'm getting this Christmas. And another one also includes food. There is a DIY mochi ice cream kit. Mochi is a big hit in my house. So it's just another thing when I buy gifts, I like to find stuff that we can all do together. So I think that is so great. And we get to have the sweet treat after. And the last thing is they also have the dark humor misfortune cookies. So instead of like the normal fortune cookies having, you know, the positive little message in it, these have a little bit of a darker turn and they're hilarious and these can be great for a white elephant gift or if you have someone in your life which if you're a spookster you probably do who would enjoy these too and i know my faves kind of have a theme going to them but they have so much more you can get art you can get jewelry things for your kitchen your home your bar there's literally stuff for everybody it's so great and what's amazing is with every purchase you make at uncommon goods they give back a dollar to a non Nonprofit partner of your choice. And they have donated more than two and a half million dollars to date. Amazing. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash spooked girls. That's uncommongoods.com slash spooked girls for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Well, Kate apparently could not control herself because she inserted herself into this conversation. And she's like, let me use my my psychic abilities. I will help you find him. And she said, quote, I'll find your brother, even if he is in hell. That's not creepy. I don't like that. No. And so the colonel's like, what the fuck? And it creeped him out. So he fucking left. He's like, uh, okay, bye. <laughs> and because of 
there was a tension with Dr. York's disappearance, you know, in the newspaper, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. They had like a town meeting there in Cherryvale. And it came up after everyone started kind of like putting the pieces together that several, several travelers had gone missing after stopping in their area over the past two years. Weird. That is a weird concept. Yes. So obviously they're not thinking about the family at this point, like thinking the benders at all. They're just like, what the fuck? So they all try to band together and help search for not only Dr. York, but like see if they could find anything else for anybody else. And there was like literally hundreds of people. There was a lot of people that helped out with that, including Pa and John Jr. That makes sense. But they were just, yes, but they were described as being uninterested in the whole thing. So they were just kind of like, we're here, but we don't give a fuck. So it's like, hmm, interesting. So they're like there to like not seem suspicious because like everyone was pitching Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, no. Yes. So flash forward a few weeks. We're into April now, right? Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you know, the benders are gone. <laughs> and there was a discovery in talks with the townspeople that they found their wagon, actually. It was about 16 miles away, and it had bullet holes in it. And the reason they knew it was theirs was, well, one, they knew what their wagon looked like. And two, because outside of their store, they had this sign that said grocery, but it was misspelled, and I guess Pa had made it or whatever, and it was their with debris and stuff near the wagon. So they're like, holy shit, that's that's them. Somebody, they got, something happened, something happened, you know? But no bodies found. So they're like, weird. Meanwhile. That's weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, the colonel and his team, they came back and they went to the Bender property and, you know, they they were like, maybe they came back or something. And no, they were still gone, completely abandoned their farm. Their poor animals were, like, starving, basically, Mm. at this point. Yeah. So, of course, since they were there, they're like, fuck it, they're not here. Let's take a look around. Smart. Smart. Yes. Because, obviously, gossip started to happen a lot, and they're like, maybe the benders did it because they're just fucking gone, right? But at this point, they have no proof. So they start searching the cabin and everything, and upon that, they go check out the cellar. And the cellar is completely riddled with blood. And I'm talking like a lot. There was old blood. There was new. There was like different stages of blood Mm -hmm. having sat there. So fucking gross. And they're like, oh, my God, this this is horrific. We're going to find some fucking bodies. But there was none in the cellar. What they did find in the cellar, they found three different hammers, a knife, drawings carved into the floor that were supposed to represent the different zodiac signs and also voodoo dolls essentially they also called them sprite dolls that were half burnt in the fireplace interesting yes so they're like what the fuck so obviously because they couldn't find anything because like obviously that's all super creepy but it's like they have no bodies so it's kind of a big thing exactly So they were starting to feel like really discouraged and defeated with this whole thing. And it was said that the colonel was, you know, he was sitting outside and just kind of being like, "Uh, fuck my life. We're never going to find anything. Where the fuck's my brother? All of that. But he looks over at the orchards and he's like, holy shit, I bet there's graves there. Y'all know he's already right because I already told you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when they went over to the orchards, they found nine bodies buried in the orchards and one being his brother. (sighs) I don't know why I acted like I was shocked. I already knew this facts. <laughs> <laughs> they also found another body in the well. And 
accompanied with that was said to be, quote, random body parts from other victims. Random body parts. In the well, what kind of fucking gross people put people in their well? Right? It was like arms, feet, all kinds of stuff. Oh, I wonder if it was like they were leaving and they were those were like in the basement or something or in that cellar and they're like, could be. Oh, we got to get these out of the house. Could be, could be. So depending on reports and stuff, there is a possibility that they had a total of 35 victims over the course of two years, which is nuts. That's a lot. It is. I mean, even the if you just said 10, 11, that's still a lot of people Mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. But even to this day, nobody knows what happened to the benders. Nobody. Of course. Throughout the years, shortly after that, a lot of people tried to be like, oh, I murdered them. Oh, we found them and we killed them and punished them for what we did. There was deathbed confessions the whole nine from people. But it's like, obviously, nobody can fucking prove it. So they were like, weird. But what was like interesting was pretty much everyone who came up with stories, they always focused on Kate and were like, she fought the most. So. She got the worst of it, you know, and just like obsessive and weird and gross. So people are like, that is weird. Interesting. Others think that they weren't killed at all, that they, you know, they had the victim's cash. They literally had thousands of dollars. And that was the thing, too, that was crazy was like they put out big ass rewards that were like thousands of dollars. When you kill a lot of people, $60,000 in today's money. Yeah, it was like a lot of fucking money, but nothing ever happened. There were some eyewitness accounts saying that they had spotted them at different places over the years, but none of those panned out. There was one that actually kind of made me feel bad because I don't think it was them. So there was these two women that were actually brought back to Cherryvale because they were so convinced this was Ma and Kate. But then when they went to trial and everything, like there was no way for it wasn't them. <laughs> like they couldn't, you know, there was like nothing actually proving that it was them. So they had to let the women go. So I'm just like, oh, my God, how fucking traumatic. What if you were just like finding your own fucking business and then you get taken and they're like, you are a serial killer. They're like at the grocery store and they're like, that one. Yeah. Fucking crazy. I would never go outside. That's also like. I'd be like, the outside people are crazy. Yeah. And this was like years later. So at the same time, it's also like, what if it was them and then they weaseled their way out? That's true. That's the flip side. But I don't think it was them. So, yeah, those women were let go. So. Honestly, at the end of the day, America's first family serial killer family, the Benders, poof, gone. When in reality, they probably just took their fucking money and went to some other random part of the country and started over. Yeah, because back then you could just be like, I'm going to move to this town and now I'm no longer the Benders. And you'd have to be like kind of close. So like the Benjamins. Right, exactly. So it's crazy. And because it's like at the same time. Who even knows that that was their real names? Because, like, we really don't even know who these people were. It's true. They just showed up and then they left. They showed up, killed a lot of people and fucking left. Like, it's it's crazy to me. So. So yeah. who knows if they had done that prior? Right. Exactly. So there, it's like, it's possible they could have fucking killed people before and just moved different places. It could have been maybe they just did it. And then they're like, they wanted to get money. So then they started doing it. What if they weren't even just German? Crazy. What if they were just pretending? That's a valid point, too, like that comes up. We don't even know if that's really the truth. You know what I mean? They could could have been anybody. Because like, Isn't think that about wild? it. That's very specific. That's a very specific thing. Yes. Like, okay, they're German. The parents, like the mom speaks some English. It's good. The dad speaks like no English. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's very like unique. And then if you move, let's say they went to like Arizona or something. Yeah. And then you're doing this again and you happen to pass through, you'd be like, oh my God, you're this family from Kansas. They were German. You're the blah, blah, blah. Oh, you'd be like, dead. Right. But then if, let's <laughs> say at that point, they're like Scottish. Right. Then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like, it's crazy. And then what's interesting to me, too, is they said John Jr. had the German accent, but they didn't ever say, like, if Kate had one or not. So I'm, I'm like, super curious about that. But anyways, I thought that was a interesting case to talk about because, one, I never heard about it. I was actually looking for, like, when I went through that book, I was like, oh, let me find one that's like, you know, we don't, we don't, we do female murderers, but not a lot. So that's originally what I was going for. And Mm -hmm. then when I started reading it and started looking at it, I was like, oh, my God, it's everybody. It's the whole family. And then when I (laughs) fucking, you know, went on like the on Google and YouTube and all of that stuff. And they're like, no, this was like the first serial killing family. I'm like, holy shit. It's such an interesting story because it's like, yeah, so random. And yeah, exactly. But You know, what would be crazy if we're researching these type of things and we find like these other old cases like that. (gasps) Yeah, and then you're like, wait, that. and then like they're the same people. Right. Oh, my God. We could crack, crack other cold also, cases. Every time you said wagon in my head, the word station came before it. Station. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I don't understand the wagon. <laughs> Brain is just like, we don't drive. We don't have wagon. No, think like Donner Party or, yeah. you know, Casino. Little House on the Prairie. Oh, my God. Laura Ingalls Wilder's dad. Right? It's not fucking crazy. It's Charles. I know. I'm like, holy shit. But anyways, well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for listening. And with that, we will go ahead and see you on Monday. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.